This is the Stealth Body Podcast, episode number 10. Please remember the content presented here is for your background information only. As always, consult your healthcare provider prior to initiating or modifying your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks. Welcome to the Stealth Body Podcast, the underground fitness and nutrition podcast that'll help you build a fit, strong, powerful body, maximize your health, and improve your energy and performance. This is where you'll learn how to get the body you want and live the healthy lifestyle you absolutely deserve. Go to StealthBody.com for more great information, including valuable articles, instructional videos, and many more great free resources to get you fit, lean, healthy, and strong. Now, here's your host, a man totally committed to helping you live fit and strong, Scott Ardella. Hey, this is Scott, and welcome to the Stealth Body Podcast. This is episode number 10, and this episode I'm really excited about because I was very fortunate and honored to get Jeff Newport on the line with me. Uh, Jeff and I shared a conversation for uh, a little bit over an hour. Jeff is a master RKC. There are less than 12 people in the world that have the title of Master Russian Kettlebell Certified Instructor, and Jeff is one of them. Uh, he is also author of the great uh, book, Kettlebell Muscle, which is a uh, double kettlebell complex muscle building program that I highly recommend. I have used this program several times and absolutely love it. It's a six or 12 week program and it's, uh, it's outstanding. He is also author of a new uh, Kindle ebook called Six Pack Abs 365 and we do um, talk about that in the interview. I asked him a few questions about that and... Um, so you're going to hear about that in just uh, just a bit. He is also the creator of many other great information products and programs. And I'll tell you that everything that I have seen from Jeff Newport is high quality. It's simply outstanding. There's no other way to put it. So I recommend whatever you're thinking about uh, getting from Jeff, uh, get it. Because whatever you get, he uh, totally uh, over-delivers in the content that he provides. And I really, really mean that. His programs are just awesome. And they can really help you if you uh, implement the uh, programs that he uh, offers and, and demonstrates with his extensive uh, training and background. Jeff is a longtime strength and conditioning specialist, coach, and mentor. He's a guy that's been immersed in strength training for many years and is highly respected in the strength and conditioning as well as the kettlebell community. So like I said, I'm very honored, very humbled to have Jeff on the line and uh, share his great uh, knowledge and wisdom in this interview. Uh, again, I did break it up into two parts for you. So this is part one of the interview with Jeff Newport. So let's dive right into some awesome content with Jeff. So I have on the line, uh, Jeff Newport. Jeff is a master RKC and author of the great book, Kettlebell Muscle, among many other things that I'm sure we're going to, uh, discuss in the call today. And first, I just want to say thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate you being here today. Oh, no problem, Scott. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh man, it's uh, it's my pleasure. It's it's really an honor to have you here on the call today. So I know that you're going to bring a lot of value uh, from our talk, and uh, let's jump right into it. So, for the people that may not be familiar with you, can you talk a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see, my background, and well, I've been in the, the fitness slash strength and conditioning industry since uh, 1993. Um, it's hard to believe it's almost 20 years. 
Um, I've uh, pretty much done everything. I've owned and operated several personal training businesses, um, including opening um, Durham, North Carolina's first personal training studio. Uh, that's where I currently live, Durham. Um, I was a strength and conditioning coach at Rutgers University. Um, let's see, again, it's kind of hard when you put somebody on the spot to tell them, you know, how you <laughs> tell them about themselves, right? So let's see, and uh, I've trained all kinds of clients from all, all walks of life, uh, you know, from grandmothers to pro athletes. So I've done the athletic conditioning, uh, and I've done post-rehab, you know, with ACLs and backs and shoulders, all kinds of good stuff. So I've really it. And uh, I think the last time I counted, I got uh, well over about uh, 21,000 hours of actual one-on-one personal training time. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. And that's a pretty yeah, so, uh, broad range of... Uh, client and uh, patient population that you've treated. And I, if I remember correctly, your, your wife is actually a physical therapist. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. She awesome. is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm a former PT myself. So, cool. um, you know, I always like to ask people, uh, especially people that I talk to about kettlebells, how they got into kettlebells, how do they discover their training? So let's start with mm-hmm. that. How did you, I, and I don't know if I've ever actually heard this story, but how did you get into kettlebells? Well, I actually first discovered kettlebells, I guess it was back in the mid to late 90s. I was leaking through a muscle infection or an iron man <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And I saw um, the advertisement for Kettlestack that uh, Iron Mine used to sell. I don't know if they still sell them, but it's adjustable kettlebells. I thought, man, that'd be really cool. And uh, I was actually working with athletes at the time at Rutgers, and I thought, wow, that, that's, I, I could see how that would really work. I mean, you could, you could get extra range of motion there, you know, um, really functional, quote-unquote functional training was really popular at the time. It was really just hitting it off with, you know, Bernie Gambetta and uh, Gary Gray and those guys. And, right. And uh, so I saw that as an as a idea or an opportunity to really enhance the, quote-unquote, functional training, um, especially with a, a background in Olympic lifting. Um, so um, I thought it would be an easier way to teach my athletes the Olympic lifts. Yep. But, it- uh, you know, we were, we were broke and poor at Rutgers and we didn't have any money, so I just... I started subbing in uh, dumbbell variations, you know, dumbbell cleaning, push press, dumbbell cleaning, jerk, dumbbell slash, dumbbell, dumbbell um, you know, uh, cleans, those types of things. Right. And um, and then the fast forward a couple of years, we moved to Durham so that my wife could go to PT school. I opened up my personal training business, and um, this was about 2002, uh, January 2002. I uh, broke down and bought the Dragon Door starter set, which was uh, a 4-kilo, an 8-kilo, a 16-kilo, a 24-kilo, and a 32-kilo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just dove right in, you know. Nice. A little, a little over 10 years ago. And, I, you know, I immediately yeah. started training myself and my clients with them. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I still train some of the same clients today, which is just a, a blessing. That's unbelievable. And, uh, wow. We look, we look, we look back and laugh at all the bruises we had on our forearms and shoulders. Oh, I bet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Technique. It was hilarious. Yeah. The, yeah uh, good time. Learning along the way, I'm sure. Man, that's, yeah. that's unbelievable. So what was your first impression when you got into kettlebells? I mean, was it, uh, did you think that there was really something different with this type of training? Well, it was interesting. My, my ego got the best of me when I, the very first time I picked up a kettlebell. Um, as I mentioned, I, uh, I have a background in Olympic lifting and, um, so I knew the set was coming, so I went to the gym and I started doing dumbbell snatches. Yeah. And I worked up to the heaviest dumbbell, doing multiple sets of five, 130 pounds. And I thought, you know, because that 70-pound kettlebell is going to be nothing. 72-pound kettlebell is what this build as. 
So I uh, I didn't even bother watching the video. It was a VHS video from the Russian kettlebell challenge. I got that in the book and the set. Yeah. I ripped that 72-pound kettlebell out of the box. I was like, this is going to be a piece of cake. Oh, and man. Uh, snatched it up in the air. Yep. I did it indoors, you know. You're supposed to do it outdoors. But, you know, <laughs> I, 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 of course, knew better because, hey, I was an Olympic lifter. Right. And uh, these kettlebells are just so light. So I snatched this thing. I had no idea how it's supposed to turn over the wrist. So I bottoms up, snatched it. It oh, stalls man. and then just whoop, drops right on the back of my wrist. Oh, wow. And uh, I thought I was going to cry. It hurt so bad. <laughs> 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 and I almost oh, dropped man. it, too. I was like, I can't drop this. I'm in a rental. I'm in a rental. I can't drop this. So, oh, my uh, gosh. That was my very first exposure. I thought, oh, man, there's something something to me. So I, I you know, flipped open the book. Yeah. Uh, I saw the swing, so I took it out in the front yard, and this is in the middle of January, freezing cold. Yeah. So I go, okay, no problem. And back then, you know, it was uh, two hand swings up over the head. So I went, all right, this is easy. Seventy pounds. I'll do twenty of these. So I did twenty of these. Yeah. Twenty, twenty-two hand swings up over the head. Oh, this isn't so bad. And literally three seconds later, I went, <laughs> as all the oxygen was sucked out of my lungs, and uh, <laughs> right. I, I hobbled over. I parked my car on the side of the road. I, Hobbled through the front yard, gasping through, bent over, put my hands on the hood. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, wow. Yeah, it reminded me that that kind of uh, oxygen deficit and deprivation reminded me very much of wrestling. Yeah. Was, uh, wrestler. So those are my first two, very first two experiences with, with kettlebells. And I, I was hooked ever since. Wow. Yeah, that's like, that's pretty powerful. Everything. I mean, everyone has a very unique story about how they got into kettlebells and everything. And it's, it's always so interesting to hear that. Um, I mean, you're almost you're really lucky to like fracture your arm with that uh, snatch. You know, I mean, it's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> it was just my ego getting the best of me. You know, it yeah. took me three years to go to the RKC. Yep. Uh, yep. So, you know, with your extensive experience and especially in Olympic lifting, like you mentioned, you know, what is it that makes kettlebells so different from from anything else out there? You, you, even you know, different from Olympic lifts, different from just you know, regular barbell training, different from machines, of course. What is it that makes kettlebells so unique and different? That's a great question. Um, I think the kettlebell is just more easily or readily accessible to the average person than a, than a full Olympic lifting barbell set. I mean, yeah. I don't know anybody who's got uh, a platform set up in their basement. Most gyms don't have platforms. Most people don't have the 500 to to $1,000 it costs right out, of, right out of the gate to buy a, a full Olympic lifting set, you know, with the, with the bumper points and, and the bar. It's got a good uh, knurling and good spin on it. Yeah. So, um, you know, accessibility. Um, and, you know, there are going to be people who go, well, you don't, you don't need an Olympic set. You know, sure, you don't. You can right. just train on a regular barbell set. Yeah. But you better learn how to uh, lower the weight carefully and slowly because you sure can't drop those things, right? I mean, yeah. not without damaging your bar of the plates and getting tossed out of your regular gym. So, right. um, <laughs> trust me, I know. Um, <laughs> so, so that's the first thing is accessibility. The, uh, the second thing is technique and, and ease of use. You know, the Olympic lifts are very technical and require a lot of practice, especially yeah. to become proficient. Um, to a lesser extent, the kettlebell lifts, which are mostly variations of the, of the Olympic lifts, you know, they require practice too, but, but yeah. they're much easier to learn, right? And you can acquire the technical skills much more quickly. So, okay. So that, that would be the second thing technique and easy use. And uh, the third thing is the loading patterns. So, this is quite interesting, I think. Um, with Olympic lifts, you're basically pulling 
right, exploding straight up. And for all the technical buffs out there, sure, there's a mild S curve associated with, with you know, the snatch and the clean, but but the straight up bar path really overloads the quads in the lower back and, and many, if not most, trainees, right? So and uh, so that's not really a good thing if you sit at a desk all day because, you know, and most people, I'm assuming who are listening to this podcast probably fall into that category. Yeah. Because you know, those muscles, right, the, the, the quads and the, the low back, they get they get tight from sitting all day. I apologize. I'm get uh, some allergies or something going on here. Hey, no problem. <clears throat> so, um, you know, if those muscles are short and tight, it's probably not too smart to train uh, exercises or, you know, that make those muscles shorter and tighter, right? So right, I think we, right. as a former PT, uh, you would probably agree with that. Absolutely. So, yeah, so the kettlebell lifts, by contrast, are more arc-like. So they're more pendular in nature. You swing the kettlebell through your legs and back underneath your body, and then you stand up with it. This, this pendular na- uh, nature or pendular motion automatically works your hips and hamstrings and even adds to a lesser extent. So this movement combats that sitting and the tight muscles associated with sitting. So, yeah. you know, instead of, uh, instead of overworking the lower back and quads, um, you know, now you can really work the hips, the abs, and the hamstrings and balance out that tightness and start to release some of it by strengthening the muscles on, you know, opposing sides of the joint. So those are those are three things, and then the fourth, I think, uh, is another one that most people don't consider, and that's that most of us have side to side asymmetry. Asymmetry, you know, you yeah. yeah, yeah, asymmetries, right? Right. So, uh, especially if you have a broken arm or something. For example, um, I broke my left arm, and that really, when I was sixteen, and that really just jacked jacked up my upper body from you know, there on out because my left arm is now shorter and bowed compared to my to my right arm. Right. So, um, you know, if I put my hands on a bar, it's completely different than putting my hands, you know, one on each kettlebell. Yeah. Or, excuse me, one on a, on a kettlebell. So, so yeah, most of us have side-to-side asymmetries. So, um, you know, you lock your hands onto a bar and load that thing up, and you can really cement in those asymmetries from a neurological perspective and from a myofascial musculoskeletal perspective. And uh, end up hurting yourself really, really badly in the long run. So the okay. kettlebell allows you to start training your body in hats, you know, or um, I don't know if that's even the, the technical term, uh, but you know, you train your left side and then your right side, okay. um, and you can identify and start to correct those asymmetries. Then when you go to the bar, you're much stronger, have much less chance of getting injury. So. I could probably keep going, but I think it's probably best to just leave it with these four. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, back to those last two points, though, is I think what you're talking about is, you know, improving uh, flexibility and correcting asymmetry. And I just want to ask, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm sure the question or the answer is that you've probably seen this um, a lot with the clients that you work with, where their flexibilities mm-hmm. improved and asymmetries that you may have picked up have been corrected through kettlebell training. Is that safe to say? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, that's 100% accurate. Cool. That's right. So, I mean, we've had, uh, I mean, I've seen uh, clients who haven't been able to lift their arms over their shoulders. You know, a couple of years ago, we started a, a group exercise facility that focused exclusively on kettlebells. And, and one of the um, ladies who came, she had frozen shoulder. Yes. And it had been manipulated under anesthesia, which means they knock you out and they, they move your arm through a range of motion. They go, oh, see, look, it still works. And then yeah. they bring you back 
consciousness and supposedly you should be able to lift your arm over your shoulder, but yeah, she wasn't able to. And literally within two, maybe three weeks, she was able to put that arm straight up over her head where she you know, could only get it to 90 degrees from, from uh, the body. So uh, parallel to the floor. Now that's and pretty, she was, yeah, she was able to load it too. So. That's pretty amazing. Now that that's, now you're speaking my language because I've treated a lot of uh, frozen shoulder or adhesive capsulitis mm-hmm. patients and they can be really problematic. And, you know, even post, you know, under anesthesia manipulation. Um, so for you to be able to get her back within a couple of weeks and have full range of motion is phenomenal. If you don't mind, how did, how did you do that specifically? What, what type of a technique or method did you use? Well, it was really, really interesting. I mean, I should just back up and say she had been struggling with that for a year and a half. Okay. So she'd been to, she'd been to some of the, I, I will, I won't name the university, uh-huh. um, but you know, this university prides itself in having some of the best sports medicine, but she had been treated at this university for a year and a half. And, you know, the best they could do was a manipulator. Um, so what we did is we did uh, a ton of get-up variations and some specific uh, foot, ankle, and uh, hip mobility exercises. So, and, you know, hey, presto. Wow. Shoulder just opened right up. Interesting. Yeah. So I was... Some, some thoracic spine mobility work, too. Sure, sure. I kind of figured that you would uh, say that the get-up was kind of in that treatment approach. That's why I was asking. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, got confirm that. All right. Hey, listen. Okay. So let's move into fat loss a little bit. That was a big uh, topic I wanted to talk to you about. Um, okay. So let's start off, start off talking about hormones. This is something you recently wrote about in your new Kindle ebook, uh, Six Pack Abs 365, which is a great book, by the way. Um, but Thank let's, you. yeah, absolutely. So, but how does kettlebell training specifically impact hormonal changes and maybe differently than just a, you know, traditional gym type training program. Okay, sure. Uh, Well, kettlebell training is pretty cool, especially when you use a lot of the ballistic exercises. Those are the explosive exercises like uh, the swing, the snatch, and the clean, whether you use one or or two kettlebells, it doesn't matter. And that's because the explosive exercises have been shown to increase growth hormone levels and your testosterone levels, depending on how you load them. Right. So, for example, uh, many of us have experienced being out of breath from explosive exercise like jumps or swings or snatches. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure you've experienced that and your clients have experienced that. So yes. now, now, now do them with an incomplete rest and you're also going to start pushing up your growth hormone levels. So this in turn initiates fat, the fat burning processes in your body and voila, you know, you're, you're melting off some body fat just by doing swings with an incomplete rest or snatches or, or whatever. Right. So now the cool part is, is as you burn the fat and you become leaner, your body becomes more sensitive to insulin, which is a powerful anabolic and storage hormone responsible for shuttling sugar back and forth uh, from the blood, from your bloodstream to your body cells, muscle and fat cells. So uh, let, let me explain real quick why that's important. Um, yeah. Because most, most people are fat because, because of two reasons. One, they eat too much food, so excessive calories. But more importantly, too, they eat too much sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's huge. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in, it's in everything. I mean, yeah. uh, Coke, um, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's hidden in pretty much everything. Coke, the breads you eat from the store, uh, you know, pretty much anything that's in a box or a wrapper has got added sugar to it. So anyway, it's, it's all, it's all over the place. So 
like I mentioned, you know, insulin is a hormone your body uses to transport sugar into your muscle and your fat cells. And I'm just, I'm glossing. There's some more, more, more technical than that, but that's pretty much all we need to know. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you, 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 you know, that, that sugar is stored, uh, as glycogen and or triglycerides, depending on where it's stored and your body uses it later on as fuel. So, so when you're overweight, right, when you've got excess fat, your body typically, your body typically ends up in a state of what's called insulin resistance. And that's where your body has to release more insulin than it used to to store all that sugar. And so over time, this, this can lead to some pretty bad stuff like um, metabolic syndrome, right? Um, yeah. Type 2 diabetes. That's the big one. That's the killer. And heart disease. Yeah. So, so kettlebell training not only can burn off extra calories, but, but depending on the sets and reps that you use, you can start to reset your hormonal levels by naturally increasing your growth hormone and decreasing the amount of insulin your body releases. So that, that makes you what's called insulin sensitive. Right. So there's a the, little bit of testosterone and growth hormone and, and insulin. There's some, some big ones. And then uh, there's also IGF-1, which is called insulin growth-like factor. And that's also released by your body. And it's, it's stimulated by growth hormone. So when growth hormone is released, IGF-1 is released. And both these, these hormones are really important, not only from a fat loss perspective, but um, from a health perspective, because they, they maintain and regenerate cells, right? So as, one of the reasons people age is because they no longer produce adequate amounts of growth hormone in, in IGF-1, and even on a certain extent, testosterone. So I mean, it's actually kind of uh, interesting a lot of movie stars and, and athletes, pro athletes, are actually using, and, and uh, you know, other elite type subcultures are actually using exogenous injections of testosterone and growth hormone to reverse the aging process. Yeah. So, yeah. and with that aging process, the fat so it reduces the fat levels too. So right. that's kind of kind of off track on the kettlebell training, but it shows you how you can just use kettlebells. Just doing something as simple as, you know, 20 minutes of kettlebell swings three to five times a week can really start resetting your hormones for, for fat burning. Yep. So, and so, so yeah, so that's really interesting. And, you know, because kettlebell training is full body training, but you also made the point about doing the ballistics. So is it the, um, if you compare a, a ballistic, a fast explosive movement compared to a grind, is there a difference mm-hmm. there? in increasing testosterone and growth hormone as well? Sure, Did you yeah. Say okay. uh, the loading parameters, it's really about load and speed of movement. So the grinds are the slower movements that are typically done with heavier weights, and that's where you'll usually get bigger testosterone release um, with the, the slower movements and the heavier weights. So uh, okay. Dr. William Dr. William Kramer from uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania uh, Penn, Penn State University, excuse me, has done extensive research on uh, hormones and strength training. And it's actually pretty interesting. Um, I hope it'll nerd out, you know, for your listeners here. <laughs> but uh, I find this stuff fascinating. So there's oh, actually, yeah. he found there actually, um, that growth hormone is released, right, in the presence of, of uh, high reps, right, low rest periods, yep. with about 50 to 60% of your, of your max. Uh, interestingly enough, um, he also found the same thing with testosterone release. So he found testosterone is released in, in by two main variables, which is pretty cool when you think about specifically kettlebell training. Um, one is heavy, heavy loads with short rest. So 85 to 90% of your one rep max okay. for low reps and, and um, 
to like three to five reps and uh, low rest for multiple sets. That's one way. But the other way was very similar to the growth hormone release, which was about 50 to 60% of your, your one rep max for 15 to 20 reps for multiple sets. So that's pretty cool. So if you think about what that means with kettlebell training, is, is you can really manipulate both testosterone and growth hormone release through actually doing some high rep ballistic and grind training uh, interspersed in your kettlebell training. And that's pretty cool too, by the way, because oh, yeah. what we know what we know about growth hormone is if you have low testosterone levels, you're going to have low decreasing of growth hormone levels. So, and vice versa, as you push your, your T levels up, your growth hormone levels will uh, start to increase as well. So, you can really do a lot of good for yourself uh, just getting out there and swinging a kettlebell, you know, two three times a week, two two to five times a week. Actually, is probably what you can do it. Or for you know short bursts. So, so, so all these hormones are really, really important in fat loss. Um, but, but simu- absolutely, yeah. I, I can't emphasize them enough. When people think it's just calories in, calories out, it's not. It's not. There's actually an interesting study. I can't. I cannot remember the professor's name. I don't want to misquote him, but he was a professor at Kansas State University, and he did um, did a study on just caloric reduction. And everybody thinks it's caloric reduction, right? Yeah. And there, there, to a certain extent, it is, right? Uh, if you want to lose weight, you just eat less and, and move more. But it's actually uh, the type of movement you do and the type of foods you do that um, determine which hormones uh, you're going to bias and which you aren't. This guy did a, you may have heard of this, it was the Twinkie diet. This guy went on uh, <laughs> Yeah. Did you hear about this? The Twinkie diet? I, I've heard about yeah. it. I just, I, I hate to say it, but I just kind of turn, turn away from when I hear like a, a, a diet with that kind of name. First of all, I don't, I don't like diets to begin with, but when I hear something like yeah, that, yeah. I just think what a, I, I won't yeah, even say either. what I think, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, heard I, I hate it. the word diet too. It's like yeah. Garfield said, right? It's guy with the letter T attached to it. <laughs> so, there you uh, go. But so he went just a quote unquote proof point. I, I think he did eight weeks. And he lost 26 pounds in eight weeks. And so, first of all, it's a misnomer because he didn't huh. actually just eat only Twinkies. 75% of the calories came from Twinkies and other Hostess products. And the remaining 25% of the calories came from a can of vegetables and a protein shake a day. And what he did is he dropped his calories from, uh, I think it was around 3,000, right around there, 2,600 to 3,000 calories a day, to 1,800 calories a day. Okay. So yeah, he huh. dropped 26 pounds, and that's cool, right? And everybody yeah. wants to drop 26 pounds, and you can do it eating Twinkies. But the fascinating thing was, is at 176 pounds, he still looked like that guy. Interesting. Yeah, so not surprising. Not surprising. Yeah, yeah, you can you can see pictures of him as a you know as a at 176 pounds. He's got the little jowls going, the little double chin. Yeah. You know, and he's got he's got no definition in his arms or whatever. Yeah. So. That's the role of hormones. So what did he do? Yeah, he lost some fat, but he probably lost some muscle tissue as well. And he didn't, he didn't include any sort of resistance training in there, so he didn't grow any sort of muscle. And uh, you know, he could have done a lot better had he used something like kettlebell training to to really start optimizing his hormone levels so that he actually lose more fat and grow some lean tissue. Because really, what what good is it if you lose twenty six pounds but you're just a smaller version of yourself? Yeah, right. Yeah. Your former self. You know, you're still soft and pudgy. And, right. I mean, c- congratulations for losing the 26 pounds. You're healthier than you were for sure, but you could still do so much more with minimal extra effort. 
Yeah, I guess you I guess you could say you're healthier from dropping the weight, but if you're right. eating that many Twinkies, you're really internally you're really not healthy, you know, cuz that goes back to the sugar uh point that we were talking about earlier. So, um yeah, that's just that just doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. I understand it from a calorie reduction standpoint, but uh um, right. yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. One last question about the uh, hormones here and then we're going to move on, but um, testosterone. So is it, so females of course have lower levels of testosterone, but are they able, are females able to influence t- testosterone through kettlebells as well in terms of to help reduce body fat and increase lean muscle mass too, of course. Yeah. And they only have about 10% of the testosterone that men do, but it's still an important hormone for them. Otherwise they wouldn't have it. Right. So, I mean, in women, it's more of a balance between progesterone and estrogen, right, as opposed to testosterone and estrogen, which it is for men. Right. So, right. but yeah, it's still important. And interestingly enough, one of the one of the easiest ways for a female to lose weight is to train exactly like a man. And by lose weight, I mean fat, so to restore yeah. her curves, which is to lift heavy. <laughs> right, which no female ever wants to do. There you go. All and, to, right. and to lift explosively. It actually, it will put the curves on her body. That's awesome. So, and I'm it glad will, you it said will that. hack off the body fat. I've, yeah. you know, it, one of the first things when I first opened my business, uh, when we first moved to Durham, I remember getting um, a, a pretty athletic female. And um, she had been working with another trainer at, at a certain point, and he had her doing the same you know, sample, uh, you know, pump and tone, high rep, high volume, low weight, which is typically prescribed for, for women. And she, she experienced the very valid concern that women have about lifting weights is that she got bulky. So, so, um, we immediately, I I wasn't going to do that anyway, based on a former experience, which I'll tell you about in a second. Um, so I immediately started doing, um, I, I treated her like a track and field athlete. Um, so I had her doing jumps, bounds, hops, very, very low rep, high force strength training. In fact, just melted out her body and she got super tight. She loved it. I mean, she dropped like 15 pounds right away. Wow. Wow. So, That's awesome. You know, and the beautiful thing about kettlebell training is it's like jumping without jumping. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, just as an aside, it was interesting. Uh, before I became a, a strength coach uh, at Rutgers, um, where I where I met my wife, um, I think we were dating at the time, or I, I don't know, but she was on the volleyball team, and her strength coach at the time was like, "Oh yeah, sure, we're going to put you and, and this other girl on a program just to lean you out." So he had been training full body, total list, four sets of fifteen to twenty, uh, three days a week, right? Right. With his head, with weights, whatever they could handle or four sets of 15 to 20. And so my wife went from about 140 pounds as an outside hitter with an almost 30-inch approach jump to 155 pounds and lost four and a half inches off the jump by following standard operating procedures wow. and guidelines set forth for women. Wow. Not good. So yeah. so the take-home point, if you're lazy and you're listening to this, do not follow the, <laughs> the prescriptions that uh, you read in exercise magazines to pump, uh, excuse me, to tone up, which is a yeah. two, two sets, a 15, 20 reps. It just doesn't work. It does yeah. exactly the opposite. If you use any substantial weight whatsoever. 
So yeah. Now the, the the cool thing was is uh, I later became I became her strength coach literally almost immediately after that, and um, cut all the volume, made her do um, compound exercises like squats and presses and power uh, hand cleans from you know from the power clean from above the knee, and, and we did real 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 low reps uh, like ten sets of two. And uh, she wow. got her back into jumping and that sort of thing. And she dropped the weight. And her, her, her teammate did as well. That's so, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, put her jump right back up to where it was. Yeah. So it really, you know, hormones dictate the internal workings so, of, of what goes on. So you can bias them for sure with your, with your training. Absolutely. Awesome. That's, that's great stuff, man. Um, we're going to keep talking about fat loss. I definitely want to continue to ask you about that. Um, I did mention your book, uh, abs 365. So, um, why did you decide to write this book, Jeff? And and who did you write this for? I I think it's a great book. It's a a mini uh, Kindle book and you can read through it very quickly, but it's, it's loaded with content. And that's one thing that I will say about you is everything that you put out just has awesome, awesome content. So what if you can address, uh, who this book is for? Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, it's interesting who this book is for. Well, I actually, this book was actually written. This just sounds really probably bad and egotistical, but it was, it was written for me. Um, oh. because I will, I was coming from a place of just physical brokenness and frustration as a, as a trainer. And it, uh, it was based on my transformation of getting back to, who I once was, who I knew I could be again. <clears throat> so that's who it was kind of like basically documenting a, a, a you know, transformational process. And then it was, it was, um, you know, written for guys like me. I mean, uh, I'm 39, I'll be 40 at the end of this year. And I think that once a guy hits 30 and particularly 35 in his mind, he's always, somewhere between 18 and 21 and that's the age in which he lives, but his body ages really, really quickly. And so I, I wrote this secondly for, for that guy to show him, look, man, there's hope and you can do this and you can get the body you want. You can get that 18 to 21 year old body back that you had. And it's not that hard to do. You just got to follow some key rules. So. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, there you have it. We're going to conclude right there with the first half of the interview with Jeff Newpert, uh, master RKC. And I want to thank Jeff for uh, taking the time to do the um, interview. I know he's a pretty busy guy, as are we all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I really appreciate his uh, time, I can tell you, to do this interview. And, you know, we were just talking about his book, Six Pack Abs 365. If you're not familiar with Jeff, this is a great place to start. Go out there and grab that uh, Kindle ebook. You're going to see the kind of content that he delivers. Um, it's very, uh, it's a low priced ebook that uh, you're going to get a lot of value out of. And I know that he wrote this book uh, for for the for guys specifically, but I think it doesn't matter whether you're a guy or a gal. You're going to get information. You're going to get some some tips and learn some new things out of this ebook. So um, go out there and check it out. Uh, especially if you don't know Jeff, it's a great place to start. Look for part two of the interview coming soon. And uh, in that interview, Jeff dives deeper into fat loss tactics. He's going to share some unconventional things that he's used to shed fat with him uh, personally and also with his clients. And he's going to tell you about big mistakes to avoid in fat loss. He's going to share 
uh, what he considers to be the best uh, kettlebell exercises for fat loss. And he's also going to tell you, tell you about some of the products that he has and who he designed those products for. So uh, lots more great information coming in the next episode of the Stealth Body Podcast. I'm going to have links to the uh, information that was discussed in this show. You can find that at stealthbody.com, episode number 10. And uh, also, if you could do me a favor, uh, two things, really. If you could share this episode, that would be greatly appreciated. That takes literally a second of your time to uh, share this and spread the word. And uh, also, um, if you could drop a comment in iTunes, if you like this podcast, please take a minute or two and drop a quick comment. doesn't have to think, be anything extensive, but just tell me how you like the show. And I really have a great vision for this show. And you're going to be amazed uh, when you hear about the, um, the interviews that I have coming up. Uh, I'm not going to really announce anything uh, until I have those interviews in the books. Um, but uh, I can tell you that I have some high-quality people that are going to share some amazing information that will help you get fitter, leaner, stronger, more powerful, and uh, really help as many people as possible one episode at a time with the Stealth Body Podcast. I really, really am excited about the show. I love doing the interviews. I always learn something, and I really value each and every person that comes on the show and the insight and knowledge that they share. So this is just totally awesome. I kind of look at this as like a a little mastermind session here that we can kind of put out there and share with uh, many people. So help spread the word with the podcast here. So that does it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for uh, part two of the great interview with Master RKC Jeff Newpert next time. I'll see you next time on the show. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Stealth Body Podcast. You can find Scott and many more valuable tips and resources you need to be ultra fit at StealthBody.com. And be sure to grab Scott's free reports that'll help you maximize your results. Go to StealthBody.com right now to get instant access to your free bonuses and build a fit, strong, and powerful stealth body.